The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Promise Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As ever, this is a Man United podcast that will look back on uh, the Arsenal game on Sunday, which ended in defeat. Uh, there's been a situation with Jaden Sancho, which we'll spend most of our time talking about on the show today. Uh, but yes, at the top of the show, we'll just address the fact that we are aware of the serious allegations that have been made against Man United winger Anthony. Uh, he's been dropped by the Brazilian national team on, I believe, Monday night. Uh, which is, there's been a report in Brazil which has come out detailing all of the allegations which have been made against him. He denies the allegations which are now being investigated by Brazilian police and Greater Manchester Police as well. Um, not a not something we wanted to be talking about, Rob, uh, but we felt like we had to address, mm. address it. Um, I'll pass to you. Yeah, we have to address it, obviously, now. And again, like everything in recent times at Manchester United, the things that have happened with a certain other player, you're now in the process of, of due process to let things play out. And as you said, there is an investigation ongoing, so we will allow that to carry on. And there's lots of people, obviously, desperate to hear our opinion. We've had people like message us and say, what do you think and all of these things. And to tell you the truth, Scott, nothing's changed. Manchester United need to look at this seriously. And I do think with the player, if he's under these allegations and say charges are brought forward, as happened with Greenwood very recently, the Manchester United will have to suspend him. That's a club decision. They'll have to obviously decide how they do that. But we've seen how Brazil as a national team have responded. So I think that's kind of where we are at the moment. Yeah, we'll see how the how this uh, situation develops and uh, discuss it where appropriate on uh, future episodes of The Promised Land. But obviously, uh, you know, it is. It, this could develop into something. It's already serious. Uh, it could develop, yeah. and uh, obviously, we have to just be very careful about what we do say and what we don't say. Uh, so, I hope you can understand that. But we we felt like we had to address it at the top of the show just to uh, say that we are aware of the situation as it will unfold. But today, we will be mainly discussing uh, fallout from the Arsenal game. Jaden Sancho has fallen out with Eric Ten Hag publicly. Um, we'll get into the details of that and discuss who's in the right, who's in the wrong, how this might end up playing out in the future. We'll reflect on the result at Arsenal as well, because while we'll spend a big chunk of this, this show talking about how much crises uh, is enveloping Man United at the moment, uh, there were some positives in the game itself. So we'll, we'll hopefully end the show on a positive note. You can sub subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube as well. The Promised Land and Manchester United podcast. So like, 
the video, subscribe to the channel, and please leave a comment for us as well. Pop that notification bell on so you never miss a show as well. And follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on XIG and TikTok at underscore Rob underscore B on X or Twitter and YouTube and at Promise and MU on Twitter or X as well. Now, all right, Rob. So where should we start? We Obviously, I'll tee it up. Man United lost to Arsenal. Uh, 3-1. Bit of a gut-wrenching result, really. Uh, not the fashion that you would... You never want to lose a game, but it's particularly difficult to take when you get a, a goal ruled out for offside in the last three minutes of normal time. And uh, you can go from that elation, in a sense. Seems like the game plan had pretty much worked perfectly if that had gone in and he'd have held his run by about a millisecond. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, my end, no real issues with any of the decisions that were made. I know Eric Ten Hag has come out and said that there were a number of decisions that were wrong by the officials during that game. I'm not going to go that way. I, we'll find out whether Rob's going to go that way throughout. I don't think so, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Sancho was left out of the squad completely. Mm-hmm. And Eric Ten Hag was asked about it in his post-match press conference. And he, I don't have the quotes in front of me, but he said that due to training performance, uh, he was not selected. Now, Jaden Sancho, within about an hour and a half or an hour, publicly responded, labeling himself or feeling that he was a, quote, scapegoat mm-hmm. and that he had trained well, in his opinion, throughout the week. Uh, there are a number of pr- potential reasons why Jaden Sancho can feel this way. Uh, and I have no problem if he feels this way. But, right. I'll I'll pass to you, Rob. Let's go from the start. Should Eric Ten Hag have said what he said? Um, Yes, because I think when you actually hear the specific bit of footage and watch the specific bit of video of him explaining why Jadon Sancho wasn't in the squad, he doesn't say anything particularly bad. He doesn't. He says very specifically, others trained better than Jadon and Jadon needs to be better. But that's that, really. And and he wasn't in my squad today. And I think when you have a limited amount uh, in a match day squad, Scott, there's every chance that you're not going to make the bench. And we've talked about Harry Maguire with this very recently, haven't we? We're like, who gets in ahead of him? There's every chance that he's on that big wage and he's sat at home. Well, that's who Jadon Sancho was against Arsenal. Personally, disappointed to see that. I'd have liked to have seen him at least on the bench. And I'd have called for him to start as the false nine rather than Anthony Martial. But the manager gets that call, he gets that right to be able to say to someone, you're not doing what I want you to do, so today you sit at home. And do you know what, Scott? That should have been the end of it. But but it wasn't, Rob. <laughs> but we live in a social media age, and we live in an age where everyone has a platform, and we live in an age where news becomes a skewed version of the truth very, very quickly. And Jaden Sancho's words... I don't think were massively directed at the manager. I think they were a generalisation about being made a scapegoat because he has been. The press and United fans have said you've not played well enough and they have scapegoated him. Should he have said that publicly? No, he shouldn't do. But this is the problem. So so I have to challenge this. I agree with you. I agree with you. But Mm -hmm. I know there will be some people who say Sancho has the right to reply. If Eric Ten Hag goes public... Jaden Sancho has the right to go public. But I would also say this. If your boss said something, 
and then you publicly responded to your boss on a social yeah. media platform. You can't do that. No, you'd, <laughs> you'd be sacked if you did that. So that's the truth. So I think the thing is, like, you know, Jen Sancho is not going to get sacked. That's not that first and foremost. Again, when you're a young man and a multimillionaire, you know, you do sometimes feel that privilege means that you can say what you want. And, and there's a lot of that this week, Scott, where you said, People say, oh, he's got the right to reply. Reply to what? Because I think the truth is that the manager didn't say anything outrageous. He said, Jaden needs to play better. Like, he didn't say Jaden. Well, I've, I've got the quotes here. Yeah, so, read it out. So he was asked, and he said, Jaden, on his performances in training, we did not select him. You have yeah. to reach a level every day at Manchester United, and we can make choices in the front line. So for this game, he was not selected. You're right. telling me that is... That's not bad. No. That is saying... I have a squad yeah. and I pick the players who train best. And he says performances in training, right? So that does not mean that Jaden Sancho has trained badly, right? It means that I've looked at Dan Gore, I've looked at Hannibal, and they they are more suited to what I want to do at Arsenal than Jaden Sancho is this week. That's why I'm picking this team. So he didn't elaborate on that and he doesn't have to elaborate on it. But the, the, the bad thing about this, Scott, is that this is the truth about how social media works and football is that Jaden Sancho is reading the tweets about that. He's not reading the manager's comments. He's reading what's happened. And there was an immediate explosion after that quote from Ten Hag. And I said, you know, really, in some ways, Ten Hag maybe shouldn't talk about it like that. But when you look at it more deeply, he's not actually saying anything bad. Jaden Sancho doesn't know that. He's a young man. Sometimes we talk about these things in terms of intellectualism, about can you decipher what you're seeing and reading? Jaden Sancho's words and his kind of statement, which was obviously banged out on his phone. Yeah, bang, 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 bang. I'm responding. I feel emotional about this. I think it's much broader than, than just the quote or what the manager says. And that's why he says, I thought I trained well this week. Do you know what? The manager might have said to him, yeah, you trained all right this week. It's just that you're not, you're, you're, your performances in training don't fit what I want to do. That's a professional Jaden decision. Jaden Sancho might feel like he's trained well throughout the week. But if that doesn't, if you feel you've trained well, fine. But if the manager doesn't think you've trained well enough to get in the squad, that's what matters. You're and, you're yeah. you're responsible to the manager. You're responsible to the manager and the club and yourself, right? And you have a you have your own professionalism that you have to look after. I think what I'm talking about here, Scott, is that a lot of these young men in football, and it is young men, don't understand that. Now, I'm not making a slant at Jaden Sancho. I think that he read something on socials, felt the wave of pain. An emotion, which is what you do. You read all these tweets telling telling you you're awful and you're this, that, and the other. You know, it happens to you know to the best of us who are not famous and all you get people jumping on you and talking absolute trash. And then Jaden Sancho's reading thousands of them on his sofa at home and like, I need to say something. We well, don't. <laughs> you know, keep it quiet and go knock on the manager's door and do it old school. But we don't live in the old school anymore. This is new school. So I I, I sympathize with Jaden Sancho. But he's made a kind of not... He's dealt that, with it in the wrong way. Of course he has. And this is not like people said, oh, you know, has he been advised? You know, no, he sat at home tweeting like everyone. And that's why this is not a good thing. So I know fans love it that players have this interaction. I'll say it again. I don't want players on social media. They, they, it's not the right environment to be professional. You get stuff like this happening and then it's a storm, isn't it? So I'm sure the manager will deal with it properly. I'm sure he'll get fined two weeks' wages. A lot of people have said, oh, this is the end of Jaden Sancho. I don't believe that either. I think when you're in the office now, Jaden will sit there going, I was an idiot, boss, sorry. 
and the boss will go, you was an idiot. You would hope so. And you're going to lose two weeks' wages and get back on that training pitch because you're an asset for Manchester United and you need to prove yourself. If if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, (laughs) and me specifically talking about Jadon Sancho, you'll know that I I absolutely love Jadon Sancho. I really want him to work. I would. There's not an obvious position in the team, in Eric Ten Hag's opinion anyway, and I don't really see it or haven't seen it over the last year where he fits in. But, you know, that's football. And I know that he was signed to play on the right side of the attack with, you know, Marcus Rashford and Nancy Martial or, or Greenwood at the time, or that, that was the plan. But that was under a different manager. Hmm. I think he would probably feel his best positions from the left-hand side. You know, yeah. that's, that seems to... But Marcus Rashford's got that locked down. He's playing better than almost anybody in the United squad over the last year. Yeah. Now... I'll get into I'll, I'll I'll read his statement out that he that he put out just for the for the benefit. I'm sure everybody's seen it already, but he said, "Please don't believe everything you read. I will not allow people saying things that is completely untrue. I've conducted myself in training very well this week. I believe there are other reasons for this matter that I won't go into. That that was the big line for me. Uh, I've been a scapegoat for a long time, which isn't fair. All I want to do is play football with a smile on my face and contribute to my team. I respect all decisions that are made by the coaching staff. I play with fantastic players and I'm grateful to do so, which I know every week is a challenge. I will continue to fight for this badge no matter what. I respect all decisions that are made by the coaching staff. And I believe there are other reasons. I've led to a whole can of worms. Can I jump in? Because really important at that point. Really important. Because this is the distinction that you have to make. He starts all talking about don't believe what you read. So the manager didn't say something that was in written press. Yeah, he mm-hmm. said something publicly. On video. And, and on video, yeah, which was then <laughs> Which might have been transcribed, yes. Transcribed sure. into tweets, right? And I think when he's talking about being made a scapegoat and don't believe stuff that you're reading, he's actually talking about the prominent Man United accounts on Twitter that the players read. The players do read all of the fan channels and all of the stuff. And the talking heads that live on those channels make big, you know, explosions about stuff. And I think that's what he is referring to. I don't think he's referring to Manchester United as an institution because he ends it, Scott, by saying, I actually respect the coaching decisions. So that he doesn't say... But also... The, he doesn't say, I, I don't respect that. He's actually said that very specifically at the end. You, you also say that I don't believe that, but he's left it open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. So Because, Scott, he's, he's a kid who, who doesn't really maybe get the finer linguistics of... The written word and that's no expense that's not i'm not trying to you know dig him out here but this is the problem is that we all talk about it in a kind of intellectualized way and think the tweets are that from people and they are not you go read my timeline of people that tweet to me people screaming at me <laughs> that's how it goes that is that is the, the platform Jaden sancho is giving an emotional reaction to something he's read and he knows the fan channels are going to take take that straight away and run with it that Jaden Sancho has been dropped because he's been terrible in training. And that is not really what the manager said. So I think that Sancho is trying to address everything in two paragraphs that you can't, that you really it would take you 10 paragraphs to address, but he's trying to defend his corner, but he's actually got nothing to defend. Like he's just got to go into training and be better and get back it's in a, the team. It's as simple as in the coach's opinion, you haven't done enough to get in the squad. Absolutely. And that, that and, is it. And and he's put two kids ahead of you on the bench, and it's as simple as that. And it's it's not a personal decision. He doesn't hate Jaden Sancho. Doesn't think Jaden Sancho is completely awful. Does Eric Ten Hag want Jaden Sancho? Said on our season wrap show, my opinion from the bits we've heard, the bits we've talked to people about, 
the answer is no. He would like a player that did certain other things. If you're not, if United, had, like, and we've both been told this from different places. If, if United had, had a suitable bid in the summer, they prob they might have sold him. And if United he could have yeah. recouped. Yeah, if they could have recouped some money and reinvested it, they would have done that. But like we've seen this summer, they can't sell anyone. They're that bad at it. So they don't accept things. They have a high bar on the bids and they don't do the business because they are, they're constantly looking at the balance sheet and going, well, hang on, if we sell this player, then we'll have to spend this amount of money and do this and do that and do the other. And it's all just a mess. So yeah, I did want to say I, I think this it as shows well. as a mess, isn't it? <laughs> I did. I did want to say this as well. Now, yeah. obviously Sancho spent a long time out last season. Mm-hmm. Which we didn't talk about really at the time because nope. we knew it was potentially a potentially sensitive issue. Mm-hmm. For me, the way that Eric Ten Hag dealt with that situation at the time was exemplary. Yeah. I thought it was the right way to go about it. If he felt at the time that Sancho needed the time off mm-hmm. because he wasn't in the right state or right frame, I, I don't know. We we don't know the details, and we're not going to. Even if we did, we probably wouldn't share them. Um, obviously, there's a huge uh, issues to consider around like mental health and this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and we are obviously very, very aware of that. And I felt like Eric Ten Hag at the time dealt with that in the appropriate manner. Mm-hmm. And you could see it on his face when he came back as a substitute. I think it was against Leeds, was it? Yeah. Eric Ten Hag was beaming that he was back. Yeah. And Jaden looked so happy. Yeah. He did. You know? And, and that was, we, I think we spoke about it on the show, like yeah. how happy we were to see that. Yeah. And obviously that's happened. What I think Eric Ten Hag has done here is he spent a year trying to get, in his opinion, Sancho to respond. And it hasn't worked to what he what he'd hoped. So the way the reason why he's gone public with it in this se- this sense to say, I've left you out of the squad because I felt other players trained better than you is a different it's it's a different challenge for me. I, I think it's just a it's a different way to try and get Sancho to respond to perform on the pitch for me. Totally. And that's why context is really important. And actually the scrutinization of the scrutiny of, of what Ten Hag said needs to be like front and center. Cause I don't actually think it was overtly critical. He's saying for this tip for this game, Jaden Sancho didn't fit my plans. And, and I think this is the thing, Scott, about suitability and about what a player does and why a manager wants a player is that we know that Jaden Sancho was not this manager's purchase. So I kind of think that that knocks you down the categories a bit. I think the players that he's bought, he's wanted to keep front and centre, and that's how he's picked his team. That's just how it goes. You just said there about what he was bought for and his position on the left and what he prefers. There's no doubt now, I think he's third choice on the left. Like Garnacho scores that goal against Arsenal that wasn't given. Garnacho shows in that split second what the manager sees in him. That's mm-hmm. what I want you to do. Run off there, break the line, score me a goal. It's kind of as simple as that. Jaden Sancho got used as a false nine all through preseason. We said, oh, he looks all right, pre- you know, false nine. But we also used the caveat on our show here that maybe Eric Ten Hag's just using him there to get minutes in it and doesn't see him in that role at all. And then we get two or three games. Rasmus Hoyland sat on the bench because he's injured, £72 million, and you're trying to get Anti Martial back in the team. So... There's, there's, a, there's, there's also about proof in the pudding, but it's in the tasting. It's quite obvious that this manager sees Jaden Sancho down the pecking order. I don't think that he was saying anything sensational in his interview. I think he was just backing that up, and that's how it goes. Jaden Sancho can give you things, but only at his top level. Just going to say that, well, just one thing, Scott, about, as you said about last season, him going away and mental health, is that 
Mental health is a delicate subject at the best of times. Managers and football clubs have to manage it within house and do what they can. And some do it better than others. I think with Jaden Sancho, yeah, he might be the kind of player that needs an arm around his shoulder. But in football context, sometimes you just have to pick a team mm-hmm. and pick the best team because you want to win. And if Jay, that means putting Jaden at home on his sofa for a week, that's not a big deal. That's how you should manage it. But this has now turned into a storm. Jaden Sancho shouldn't have gone in social media. And I think you'll probably be advised now to don't tweet again. That's important here. Learn your lesson. But the tweet is still live, by the way. It's still yeah, it is still live because I think he probably might. At Manchester United, this is how it's worked at the moment. We know that a lot of them have gone on holiday, haven't we? Like we know that, that, that the operations of Man United have, have wound down for, for a couple of weeks, which I'm not a big fan of. I think everyone should be in the training ground still. Mm. That's my own opinion. Um, but ultimately, the, the player hasn't taken it down and probably stands by what he was trying to say. But the way he said it means that it's open to interpretation. And that's the problem here. So if, when they get back together and he gets his two weeks fine and like has to has to be fined something like half a million pound, yeah, which is what it will cost him for that tweet, he might then think, ah, there's quite a lot of money to lose just because I, I felt emotional in the moment. And yeah, the manager didn't actually say anything that bad. And now I'm just going to have to live with it. And that's social media in a nutshell, isn't it? For players when they respond. So players shouldn't really use social media to respond to anything because the second you do that, every word you write down on your screen is open to scrutiny. And people will believe what they want, Scott. doesn't matter what the truth is. They'll just believe whatever they want. So I think there was a lot of attacking at Jaden Sancho when he wasn't in the squad. And immediately I saw that. People were attacking him, saying, oh, well, sell him, do this, do that, you know, off to Saudi. Maybe. But... I think Man United, with the problems at the football club behind the scenes, Jaden Sancho will, will play games for this season. Might even start on the right-hand side in weeks to come. We'll see about that. Um, but I think it will be dealt with internally. And I think Ten Hag's pretty good at that. You know, if he can deal with Ronaldo, what happened with Ronaldo, he can deal with this. Yeah, for me, I mean, whether you think... And I understand there will be some people who think that Eric Ten Hag shouldn't have said what he said. I Personally, I don't have a problem with it. No. You don't either. I'm sure there's a lot of people who you don't. don't. say anything. There, there, there are, there are going to be some who, who do feel like that and Sancho has a right to respond. I have, uh, just, to, just to clarify, I have no issue with Sancho feeling how he feels. The way that he addressed his feelings is the wrong way to do it. He should have sat, he should have waited and sat with Eric Ten Hag to discuss those issues. Pub- Completely. Uh, privately. Privately. Yeah, keep your gob shut, go into the office and work it out. And the whole thing is, is that even though this business of football is a very public business, yeah, ultimately the, the whole professionalism side of it, Scott, has to be private. You know, training is private. Conversations are private. You do all these things. People say to us, how do you know stuff? What are your sources? Sorry, they're private. You know what I mean? We can't tell you. So that's the truth about the whole business. Jaden Sancho should have turned his phone off and gone to bed. <laughs> that's what he should have done, or gone on his computer and spent the night on it and been all right with it. So I think the thing is, is that emotions get the better of people, and that's humanity. But I think when it comes to Manchester United, the last thing this football club needs is more drama. Remove that. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Drama, especially the off-pitch they stuff. cannot escape it. You had an, a, a really good performance against Arsenal, right? Let's nail that flag to the mast there, right? United went to Arsenal and scared the life out of supposedly one of the top five teams in the world. They had a game plan, they executed it, and they nearly won the game. Like, they were that close. And Arsenal fans come away going, we're happy we won. What an amazing last two, three, four, five minutes. But they know. They know that wasn't comfortable. That's not a title. It's not Man City beating someone 10-0, is it? So that that's Arsenal where they are at the moment. That's part of the game. But I think Man United, I think Ten Hag would have come away from that going, oh, I feel like we've stepped forward. That's how I, I actually, felt, Scott. I actually felt like after that game, I felt better about yeah. the season as a whole than I had in the first three weeks of the season. <laughs> People giving me drip on it going, oh, like the Wolves game, you won the game, why are you upset? It's like, oh, I'm upset because the performance is really bad. We won the game, but I'm happy with that. And I can have both of those things. I can exist together. The Arsenal game, you lose the game, you want the points. You know, when Garnacho scored, I was like, immediately, I think he's offside, so I'm not going to celebrate. And I kind of bite my lip. I was like, looked offside, and it was. But I came I out did, of the... I did, by the way, I did. <laughs> the final whistle. No, I did. I stood there. I froze because I couldn't believe how well they played in that three seconds to get the ball. It was a great. It was field. a really, really strong, really pop, good move. Pop, pop, pop exactly what Ten Hag wants United to be. And I, would, I will add this as well. You said there that United scared the life out of Arsenal. I don't think that is an opinion that is widely shared because I think people will look at the way United were playing the ball around the back for the first 25 minutes in the first half. I've spoke to our producer, Harry, on another show and he said he thought United were crap and they, did, they didn't really turn up. What do you honestly expect? Do you expect this man United to go there to Arsenal, have 70% possession and kill them 3-0? No. No, no. no way. Absolutely, you are living in a dream world. The only team that can do that are Man City. The yeah. only team that can do that. And if they do that, they reinforce their position as the best team in the world. Man United are nowhere near that at the moment. So they and have to have a game what, yeah. plan. And they played it almost perfectly. 
that's why football is a bizarre universe because everyone wants the perfect performance to get the three points. And that's not how football works, not how sport works. You go there to do what you can do and you mitigate. And I thought the whole United passing the ball deep thing was interesting because Arsenal did try to press on them at times, but they didn't. Why? Because as soon as Anana got the ball, Anana was like, watch me ping this ball 40 yards to feet. Ping, 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 ping. And people were like, oh, and Arsenal immediately recognised that and said, we have to sit deeper. So that was a good thing, Scott. That's tactically showing that you're maturing with the weapons that you have. Your goalkeeper's a weapon. Yeah, help, you know, let him help you. Now, we can talk about the, the last minute with Declan Rice shot. I think Anana should save that. But that's a conversation that's that's a different kind of tone. Even with the deflection? Even with the deflection, I think on the near post, I always say a goalkeeper, unless it's such a horrendous deflection that you, you know, it changes the direction massively. I thought there that. Do you think his positioning was off? I think one of Anana's weaknesses that I have identified in the opening six, seven weeks of him being a Man United player is that he's not the greatest positional goalkeepers. And what I mean by that is that, yes, he will come to punch the ball and claim the ball and stuff like that. You've noticed, I don't know. 10 times that when something happens in the game and he's set, I've noticed that he's just out of position quite often, quite a lot. Like, so you know, like when someone's running at him, he doesn't mm-hmm. actually close angles down. What does he do? Stand still. And people have criticized the hair for 10 years for that. So there, there's always going to be these little crossovers and Anana has weaknesses, but I think Anana's strengths are so key to United going forward that if you can use him as a weapon playing out from the back, you're going to scare teams as good if, as if Arsenal. If David De Gea was in goal, he might have saved that chance. Yeah. But United would be would have been under pressure for the entire game. 90 minutes. And you wouldn't have had that. That I think there was a great stat, I think, on about the hour mark, where Man United had more possession than Arsenal. And I was thinking, you couldn't predict that. Because that's that's mad. That's, that's, that's actually madness. I know United had a lot of possession in deeper areas. And that's why they kind of were like 55-45. But Arsenal wouldn't have planned for that. Arsenal would have been like, hang on. We're going to have 70% possession today and we're going to play like that. And that's not what happened. And that's because this United team is evolving and it's maturing. So lots of positives, obviously, pre-Sancho and pre-Fallout. Um, and I thought that United went there, had a game plan, executed it. And and it was a really successful transition game for United. I, I, Harry's our producer here. Harry's a big Arsenal fan, a big gooner. Doesn't like Man United anyway, does he? But, uh, you know, I, I think Arsenal fans can probably get on the high horse and say, well, we won the game. Well, you won the game, but you ain't playing well and you haven't played well this season yet. So that's more worrying if I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm looking at that and going, do we look like title contenders? One Arsenal channel that I did see said exactly that. They went, we've got some good players now, but we're not playing as well as we were last season. And I agree with that. I think that they last year looked more deadly at the start of the season. This year, they look a little bit frail, not quite sure what they're doing, but that's another football club, isn't it? They're happy with United after that. I think that that gave me that gave me a little bit of hope. That's what I tweeted, and people were like, "Oh, hope doesn't get you three points." Now, hope means that you probably can put a run of form together and start winning football matches a bit more convincingly. Tell you what, though, Rob, when Man United had that goal disallowed, yeah, the first thought I had was, "Don't concede," because mm. I knew that they would. Me too. I absolutely knew that they would, because and they they, they do. Yeah. yeah, because they, they, they don't quite have... Like, they score the goal and feel great about themselves. Oh, look what we did. We scored at Arsenal. And then you need 15, 20 minutes where you just lock the shop. That's what you have to do. Lock it down and, and keep the game flowing. And this is what this Man United team is not particularly good at. And this is the problem, Scott, is that like you ended the game with your 
was it fourth, fourth and, fifth. and fifth choice center backs. And if you end any game with your fourth and fifth choice center backs, you probably are going to concede. So that's why I think Leicester's Arsenal... 2019 center. Back <laughs> I've there. seen the pictures. Everyone's seen the seen the social media tweets. Um, I, you know, I think that in those final moments, Arsenal might feel good about themselves that they scored two very late on. But come on, it's Maguire and Evans. So you did the job, Arsenal. But would you have done the job if United had their first choice center backs out there? Say it was Varane and Martinez. Maybe not. Maybe United get a point or maybe United win the game. So hypotheticals, of course, but I actually do think that United deserved something out of the match. I don't think Arsenal were 3-1 better than Man United. Yeah, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a draw. I thought it was a draw. Yeah. I, th- I think one I all would, a draw have, would been, have been fair. But... One all, two all would have been absolutely fair on the day. I'm gonna add football one isn't fair. So. One, football isn't fair, but I'm going to add one more thing, Scott, because we weren't. this is not on the running order. Joe Delo had his best ever game I... at left-back, right? <laughs> His best ever game. He looked after Saka beautifully. He allowed Saka to have a certain amount of space on the outside, did not allow him to claim anything inside. And that's what I was scared of. And Delo, That's what I said. Would it favour him that he's right-footed? Exactly. So, so you were right. And, and I'm I'm never high on Delo on left side or right side. But he did the job on the day. If, you, if United hadn't a loss, he'd have been player of the match. I think he was man in the match anyway. Like I, I, as it got towards the end, obviously you lose again three one. You can't be man in the match as a defender, but he was the best player on the pitch on the day. He did his job. A couple of mistakes. I think with the goal, you know, with the the Declan Rice goal, he just makes a shift from the post into the centre, and that opens up the space for Rice to smash through there. So that was a tiny mistake. But that's being critical. I actually think that he had a good game. And I think, again, wan on the right side... Do you think it was a foul on Johnny Evans in the lead? That? Um, I, I thought think... it was in real time. I, I shouted foul. That's a in foul. In real time, I thought it was. But I think that now we're never in... getting that overturned. No, look, we're talking about incidental contact now a lot in the game, aren't we? Where, where players come together. And even when they grab each other now, Scott, it's being kind of considered incidental contact. So I think in that moment, they're both wrestling. I think it would have been better if Harry Maguire had dropped into that space, but he didn't. He just stood still. That was a problem. And then Declan Rice gets the ball and sees a big gap and thinks, I'll just have a shot. Let's give it let's give it a go. So that's why I'm also critical of Anana, because I think Anana has to anticipate that and, and claim that post. He has to get to that post and say, if you're going to score past me, you're going to my left. You're not going inside me, but he, you know, there's a deflection. It goes inside. He hasn't got the post covered. Goalkeeper error. I think that's why I look at it that way. But yeah, United didn't defend in those final moments very well. But what do you expect? You've literally got two centre backs. One guy who was on a, a three-month contract ten minutes ago, and one guy on a huge contract that you really don't want. So there you go. That's where you are. And United might be stuck with that for a few more weeks. <sighs> Gary Neville went at the Glazer family again yes. after the game. Yeah. I mean, people are, if especially if you don't support United, very, very quick to say, look how much money you've spent. Oh yeah. A transfer window is about as much is a, as much about the players that you offload as it is the players you bring in. Definitely. And yes, United have spent a lot of money. They've brought in a lot of players. But they and this is why I have sympathy with Ten Hag. I really do, because the Sancho thing, which I I don't want to I don't want to make this like I don't want to be unfair to Sancho because I do I really like him as a player I really want him to work out, but the fact that Sancho responded like that proves that that mentality exists in that camp. Yes. Eric Ten Hag is trying to rid Man United of that mentality. That is what he's trying to do, but it lingers. It stays around because United don't sell properly. Yeah, like I don't think that 
that moment with Sancho or or any of the moments where things have been made public from Manchester United happens at a really well run football club. I agree. It just doesn't doesn't like because because you you know as a player or as a member of staff that if you leak something, if you say something publicly, you, you, you're done. <laughs> That's it. And and it would have happened with Sir Alex Ferguson. Like Again, you can go back and use all the examples of when Sir Alex had that with Yap Stam. Yap Stam was a major player at Manchester United, a fantastic defender, a real top, top asset for United. United got a smell that he did have in, an injury and that it didn't look good for him. Prognosis going forward. He writes his book. He tells United he's, wrote in his, he's written his book and he basically exposes that uh, he was tapped up. And Man United went, that's you done. Goodbye. And that's it. And that's what good organisations do, Scott. You don't tolerate any of it. You just you just have a party line and you stick to it. So, yeah, d- does that happen at Man City? Do you get people coming out of Man City saying, oh, Pep Guardiola told me that I, well, you know, did, is, like, I had too many trades. Pep has come out today. and criticised Calvin Phillips for being overweight. Massively. And, and you should and be allowed. Nobody has it. Like, yeah, it might be a little bit, like, a little bit sore. But nobody questions that Pep is not not right. No, like, I, I think sometimes Guardiola publicly is like, you've seen him like we saw at the start of the season, I think it was with Erlen Haaland, wasn't it? Where there was a little altercation. Haaland had moaned that he wasn't getting service. I think it was the first game of the season. Yeah, yeah. And Pep runs on the football pitch, balls at him with a camera near him, absolutely balls him out. And Haaland's like, what boss? Like, oh my God, like blah, 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 blah. But Haaland doesn't then come out on social media the next day and goes, I'm really upset that Pep had to go at me. Pep's your manager and your boss is his job. So, like, if if the manager has said to say Jaden here, like Jaden, you know, you're not in my squad because you're not doing what I want you to do. That shouldn't actually be a big deal. That shouldn't be national news. That should be Jaden going away and thinking, well, I'm not even in the England squad. I need to think about this. I need to get better at what I'm doing. And I'm sure that that is actually the mo. I'm sure, that's what he does think and what Ten Hag thinks. But it's how you outwardly do it, isn't it, publicly? And that you can get away with it when you're Guardiola winning a treble. But when you're rubbish or have been rubbish, you can't get away with it. That's just the truth. Or if you're at Man United, it's 10 times more important, isn't it? Because that's what our football club is. It's a, it's a, it's a soap opera. And people watch the soap opera for fun and news and for terrible stuff sometimes. I'm not talking about United fans. I'm talking about people outside our club. Just a, just a final word on Sancho. I mean... Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm sure there's been. Like, we wrote a report yesterday. There's already been some interest from clubs in Turkey. He's on too much money to to yeah. that for that move to be facilitated. No, this no. bit United would have sold him in the summer if they had the right bid, or seriously considered it at the least, because they're in a difficult financial position. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I completely personally side with Eric Ten Hag here. I'm very aware, and I'll say it again. Sancho has every right to feel the way he feels. He just decided he, he used the wrong medium to say how he felt. Um, yeah. Should not have gone public with it. Eric Ten Hag did not say anything really too terrible outside no. of a challenge to him. And I, I don't want to, I, I feel like I'm digging Jaden out, but I don't, I, I don't want to do that. But there has been previous examples of this at other clubs and with England. So, yes. There's enough of a case to say that we trust Eric Ten Hag here. We trust Eric Ten Hag, and I, but I'm going to say this without being overtly moderate, but it is moderate, is that, is that I, I'm not siding with anyone here. I think a lot of this also has to do with the culture of the institution at Manchester yeah. United. So Which Eric Ten Hag is trying to change. So Eric Ten Hag is trying to change it, 
but it's like having a square wheel and hoping it rolls down the road. Like I think with Man United, there, there needs to be obviously bigger changes and that stuff that's outside of Ten Hag's mm-hmm. management skills and outside of his MO. And I think with Jaden Sancho is that Jaden might represent an echo of what's been going on at Man United for maybe five or six or seven years, going pre-Oleg and a Solskjaer. Just make one distinction on this, Scott. What the manager did was not what Jose Mourinho did with players. Jose Mourinho unfairly called out players because he's not very good at those things. He'll just scream at people and and screamed at journalists and screamed at footballers. And that's what he did. He killed Luke Shaw, made Luke Shaw a much worse footballer in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a different situation with people saying, oh, they're similar. They're not. They really are not. And I'm not going to side with anyone because I think the manager could have said he got a knock in training. That's it. Forget it. But he didn't. He's trying to be honest and give a reason. I appreciate that's... that. Huh? Person. I appreciate that. Yeah, like he, he's trying to give some information and maybe still after only 12 months at Man United, doesn't realise that any tiny little thing like that is going to get picked up. Maybe he doesn't think like that as a person. So like at Ajax, he used to be quite cutting of players. Mm. He was. He was always very public and he'd say, that player was bad today and blah, 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 blah. blah. And we've gone, that's refreshing. We quite like managers like that. But in this situation with an English footballer who has a high profile in this country, even though he's not played well for Man United, you sometimes just have to bite your lip and go, yeah, he got a knock. And that's what some, a, lot of our, a lot of managers we talk to, that's what they do for that reason. He didn't do that. It's turned into a different kind of storm. But this is why I think United will just re- re- get resolution now. Give them two weeks uh, fine and they'll come together and there'll be a cuddle and there'll be a picture on the, on the training ground, Scott, when Ten Hag's back at Carrington and they'll be together and he'll be like, is Jaden, he's one of my squad. And he'll get picked in the next game and everyone will have forgotten about it. You cannot sell Jaden Sancho now of what's going on with your first choice right winger. You just can't. Just what's going to happen. It, it, it needs must again. And you're going to have to probably keep Sancho because he can play that position. Jaden's going to have to take his chance when he gets it as well. I think the front three would be, Scott, in weeks ahead if, if we do see that Anthony is suspended for any period of time. I think the front three will end up being Rashford right because we saw at the end of the game, Garnacho left and Hoyland through the middle. I mean, that will be your front three that you operate on. And then you'll have Martial to come into the team who can play on the left if you have to. And you have Rashford who can switch back to the left or the centre. So that's where that is. And I think Sancho then will be somewhere in the middle of that mix. He won't be first choice, but he'll be there somewhere. Right, let's finish on a, on a positive note. Rasmus. Yeah. Um, I said... Um, on a video yesterday, and this is—I don't even think this is hyperbole. I don't even think it is. Within one minute of Rasmus Hoyland coming on, I thought Man United have not had a striker like that since Wayne Rooney was playing up front. And I'm not even trying to—that's not hyperbole. That is completely in reflection of the profile of player that United now have in that position. Yeah, they have not had a striker for ten years, or however long it's been—seven years. Like that. it was Rooney vibes, Van Nistelrooy vibes, uh, kind of someone who has physicality but quality. And United haven't had that for a long time, have they? Like you know, Romelu Lukaku was supposed to be that guy. <laughs> you know, when he he's came, not that player, he's admitted it himself. But he's not that player, not and he player. wasn't that player. And we saw it with our with our own eyes. Um, I think the thing with Rasmus Hoyland, the expectations are going to massive, and he's going to learn that that every time he 
doesn't trap a football correctly, that there will be a thousand tweets about it and that he's a failure. Although he's actually got half decent first touch as well, you know. He's got a good first touch. But like I said, you don't actually have to do anything that wrong to get criticised in, yeah. in our world of football. But I think the performance coming on at Arsenal where, you know, did he do much? People might say statistically, no, he didn't do a lot. But I think visually, when watch, you saw what he could do, game. watch the game, <laughs> and that you've now got a striker that can roll the centre-back, but also push against them and give them physicality, use their strength. Like people are And also give them a worry in behind. Yeah, people are, un, people are underestimating what his profile of game set is, and that is that he's six foot three and quick. That's dangerous. Every centre-back doesn't like that profile in front of them. And he was with Gabriel. Gabriel's a kind of straight-up defender, isn't he? Like, you know, physical, he'll, mm-hmm. he'll deal with stuff. And I thought Hoyland in that period, in the last you know, 20, 30 minutes of the game, absolutely allowed Man United to play in a part of the pitch that they haven't played all season or last season, simply because you've got a number nine that can do that stuff. There was one moment, there was one moment where Hoyland got the, I think he had his back to goal. Mm. Or he was played a ball. Gabriel actually stood off him because he'd had a few duels with him already. This was about 10 minutes or so into, into his yeah. time on the pitch. Gabriel stood off him because he knew, all right, this is going to be dodgy, so I'm going to have to try and hold my position. Hoyland controlled the ball with his back to goal, and Bruno Fernandes took it off, and United were gone. Like, yep. And I don't think it led to a major chance, but I just thought, I looked at that, and I was like, United have not had a striker who is able to do that for years. And if this show today was primarily only about football, yeah, for 40 minutes, we'd be talking exactly about that. So if you're a Man United fan who maybe feels a little bit down after the, the, the kind of last couple of days and the way the news has been and you want to kind of bring it back to football, hold on to that because that's the most important thing there in terms of the football side of the, of the operation, what United are doing. Rasmus Hoyland, we've seen him for just a very short period of time, but you can totally see what he is and what he can give to this United team. And if the front three, Scott, ends up being Rashford, Garnacho in wider roles and you end up having Hoyland at the top, Man United will win more games than they lose, just the way it is. I think Hoyland will be a real asset to Man United because he's physical, he's keen. That badge on his shirt really means something. He's a United fan. Like he's gonna he's gonna bleed for the football club. I really do believe that. I, I think that this is an opportunity for him that he loves and, and he's gonna really push it. And I think that he's a little bit of a wild card. Like 72 million is a lot of money. But I think that as long as United can get him some service and they can get the ball to him in the box. He's going to love the Premier League. He's a Premier League player. You saw that in that 30 minutes, didn't he? He's a, he's a Premier League striker. He's that kind of ilk. And Gabriel didn't like it. Like you said, Arsenal's defence stood off him. And, and Arsenal's defence don't want to do that either. They want to get the ball quickly and move and get the ball uh, up the pitch. But Hoyland stopped that at source. And I was impressed with that. And it allowed other players to come into the game. When Garnacho scores that goal... That is also to do with positioning of the forwards, is that they allowed that chasm to open and allowed Garnacha to run it. United went one, two, three, through the middle, in there, goal. And that all happened in five seconds. And that's the that's got to be the blueprint now of this football team going forward. And it's going to come from that number nine. Yes. Positive note to finish on. Uh, but that is it. Uh, from, we try our best, people. We do try our best. So hopefully we've taken you... We make you feel a little bit better if you've been listening to this right through to the end. Anyway, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube as well, The Promise and a Manchester United podcast. Like the video, please subscribe and leave a comment for us as well. Pop that notification bell on too. 
Follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on all of the social channels uh, at underscore Rob underscore B on Twitter and YouTube for Rob. Subscribe to the channel and uh, at Promise and MU as well on Twitter. That is it from us. We'll be back later this week uh, to talk more about Man United. It's the international break now. I mean, I want to say things will look a little bit brighter, but it's difficult. Uh, but yes, so we'll be back on back on Friday this week. Thanks from Rob and thanks from myself. Scott, we'll see you soon, everyone. Thanks for listening as ever. See you soon for another Promised Land. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.